say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, big day. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Jameson. He scores! He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. What up, everybody? Welcome in on this Tuesday in the Cuse. Glad to have you here with us, wherever you might be today. Cuse, Utica, Rome, somewhere in between. Wherever the heck you feel like on QSportsTalk.com. Lots to get into today, huh? There's a little basketball game last night that, uh, once again, uh, didn't end as one would have hoped. They're at the same exact time. There's a football schedule that came out that is maybe not formatted exactly as one uh, would have hoped. We shall get into both of those throughout our two hours together here today. Hear a little bit of Jim Beheim after the game last night. Parts contentious. Parts not. Guests on the program today. We hope to be joined by Red Autry at uh, 3 o'clock today. Efforting uh, Red. Hope to get him on. Normally he's uh, 2.30 on Monday. Not uh, quite possible on game day yesterday. Uh, 7 o'clock tip. Uh, Four and a half hours before that is 2.30. And that is when the team does film. uh, A little pregame film. So he couldn't join us yesterday. So hopefully we'll get Red on the show uh, today. Also uh, scheduled to be joined at 3.45. A.K.A. the end of the program today. By Harry Douglas of uh, ESPN of the new show Fitz and Harry with uh, Jason Fitz and Harry. He's the Harry part. He is the Harry Douglas part, and he's all over uh, all over ESPN talking NFL and uh, all that good stuff uh, all the time. So uh, looking forward to be joined by uh, Harry to uh, wrap up the program today. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, there's a little thing called the Super Bowl coming up in a, a week and a half. Perhaps we can talk to Harry about that, the Eagles and the Chiefs. Did you know one of the quarterbacks in the upcoming Super Bowl, was at the game last night in the Dome. How about that? Why, I have it the foggiest. But uh, one of the quarterbacks, indeed, was at the game last night in the Dome. So uh, Jalen Hurts of your NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles was indeed inside the uh, Dome uh, last night. Uh, to get you ready for uh, the Super Bowl. Well, I don't know if he did that. He just kind of sat there and uh, observed the game between uh, Syracuse and uh, Virginia, as did we. And we observed, unfortunately, another game that was uh, in the balance for most of the way and slid toward the other team in the last few minutes. And uh, this has been the way of the world here for uh, some of the games here of late, especially against the top teams in the league. The Orange have had their chances against Miami, Carolina, and now Virginia. That's three of the last five games. And they all, give or take, have ended, you know, within the realm of things the same way. With The Orange not able to make the necessary plays uh, down the stretch of the game. Uh, it was a couple games ago. We got the charge on... Judah Mintz, last night we got the charge on Jesse Edwards. And in neither case was it literally the end of the game, but in both cases it was the de facto end of the game. But unlike the Mintz play against Carolina last week, 
which then became the talk of the entire week. The the talk of last night's game, uh, in many ways, was somebody that wasn't even in the game and probably wouldn't have been in the game at the end, uh, the way the last uh, handful of Syracuse basketball games have been going, and that was uh, the absence of one Benny Williams. Uh, a question we still don't quite know the answer to, but uh, one that uh, has been wondered about and was <clears throat> answered in a way after the game by Coach Payham. We'll get to that in a little bit, but... You know, Coach said Benny took a personal day yesterday. He was not in attendance at the game. And I don't know about you, but when words started circulating before the game by, you know, anybody that was there and uh, reporting on these things, uh, various tweets from, you know, Matt Park, Mike Waters, Donna Dakota at all, that uh, Benny was A, not there, and B, uh, coach would say something about it after the game. All right. And it doesn't mean we are right on this, and from the initial sounds of it, it sounds like we are not. But did anybody have a thought other than Benny left the team and he's transferred? And again, I'm not saying that is what is happening. I don't know that. But after Benny lost his starting job on Saturday on the road trip to Virginia Tech, like, did anybody have another thought? Like, the instant you thought you heard that, that, that is the first thought they hit in the brain, right, wrong, or otherwise. And is that fair to a, you know, a 20-year-old kid? And that's what Benny is uh, right now. And, you know, having his whole life dissected in front of us? No, it's not. And who we don't know. We we don't know why he wasn't there. We we don't know. We might never know. And doesn't necessarily matter. No, not really. But that that's just the way of the world. It, and it, and it has been for eight million different reasons so far in the you know the brief career of of Benny Williams. This guy has become better, worse, or otherwise. In my mind, I I can't think of a Syracuse player that we have seen that has been talked about this much in relation to lack of minutes and production. Can't think of one. And, you know, the history of Syracuse basketball, you know, we talked about recruits that don't come here before, but it's amazing. You like that stuff blows over. That stuff uh, goes away. But, you know, it's just a another and it could be the boy who cries wolf. It could have been, you know, there could be nothing. It could be, you know, so, someone was sick and he had to deal with it. You know, whatever. We have no idea. I don't even want to begin to speculate where or what Benny was doing yesterday. Because I, I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Nor does it necessarily matter. But the the list of things is now so long of this, that, and the other thing that it's just, um, I've never quite seen anything like it. Here with Syracuse, and I think that's why there there's so much interest. We all thought Jim would address it immediately after post game, and um, he didn't bring it up in his opening statement of his post game press conference. Uh, but it quite immediately led to this. But what's uh, what's the status on Benny Williams? Is that your question? That's the most important question you have. He was not on the court today. Is that your most important question here? I'm just curious. He wasn't on the court. I will answer it. All right. Your attitude isn't really good either. 
Then he took a personal day. He will be back at practice on Wednesday. Today is Tuesday. Consulting the calendar, Wednesday is tomorrow. So uh, that that is where that is. Uh, that was Jim Beheim, obviously, and uh, a student reporter at Syracuse uh, reporting with uh, Citrus TV, the student television station, last night. And, you know, if you are a reporter in Syracuse, in one way or another, at, at one point or another, you've been baptized by Beheim. Like, you've had something similar, private, public, or otherwise, happen to you. And um, it's not the most fun thing that has ever occurred in life, I'm sure, to uh, anyone uh, that that would have dealt with that. But uh, you feel for the young guy. But for Jim to say it wasn't the was it the most important question in regards to the basketball game and like the literal playing of the basketball game yesterday? No. Like the way Benny has been playing, say Benny had been there. Like Malik, Malik was going to start that game regardless if Benny was there, you know, with a big happy grin on his face, his uniform on, if he'd been on the court two and a half hours before Tip getting up extra shots. Like Malik was starting that game yesterday. He's he's the starter at power forward for Syracuse now and probably will be for the remainder of the season. Like that move has been made. The The key has been turned. The ignition has been pushed. It has a, It has happened. And it will remain happening from here on forward, I would presume. So, did that question matter in the context of the game? Like, was Benny going to be on the court? Was he going to affect the way that game ended yesterday? No, he was not. Because, you know, whatever five was on the court late, that was going to be the same five. Because Malik was going to be in the game. But, because of the history of Benny here for the last year and a half, when he is not at the game, like mysteriously, at least to us, because we don't know what's going on, it is the first question on mine. It was, you know, it was hosted on the post-game show last night with Chris Joseph. And great to have Chris on, pinch hitting for uh, Devo last night. And Eric will be back with us uh, next Wednesday evening uh, for the Florida State post-game show. But, you know, talking to Chris, and obviously we're chatting about the game and, you know, Jesse's charge at the end and the missed free throws and all the stuff that we will get into over the course of the show today. But, yeah, that was the first question on our mind. What Was it a basketball-specific question? Did it affect how the game ended? No, but, yeah, it absolutely was the first question on my mind. It was the thing I, personally, me, was most curious about over the course of the two hours leading up to that. All right, he's not there. Where is he? What, like, what's going on? Is he gone? Has he has he left the team? Like, is he out? Where is he? That, that was, and again, does the answer really matter? No. But does the reason he was there, not there, really matter? No. But that was the thing I was personally most curious about over the course of the two hours leading up to Jim's post-game press conference uh, yesterday. And, uh, yeah, it was the most important question for how the basketball game was decided yesterday, for how, you know, Syracuse was running offense or defense or whatever. No, had nothing to do with that. But you generally ask the question you're most curious about first, huh? So, yeah, it was uh, that was that was the start of things. We'll get to more uh, Beheim on the actual basketball game later on and you know it's again we lead the show today with something was it the most important question was it, is this the most important topic off yesterday's game no 
Like, missed free throws, missed opportunities. Man, another chance for a quad one win. Are the Orange even going to have a chance remotely as good as this for the rest of the year? Like, there's plenty of things to talk about. Joe Girard, back-to-back clunkers. Judah Mintz, pretty good, missed some free throws late. Oh, Jesse, charge, why? Mm. What could they have done different there? Needed one more rebound. Like, there's plenty of basketball stuff to talk about. But as far as, like, actual human curiosity yesterday... Where was Benny Williams? Was, is, and still is. The question. You wish the best for him? Again, no idea. No idea. You wish him the best? You hope nothing's like actually wrong or anything like that. I, mean, I, I don't think there's anyone that wishes ill of the young man. And, and, and this happens. It happens more with a guy like Benny. And, and this is anyone that had, uh, you know, the recruiting profile of a, a Benny Williams. Like when when you are ranked as high as, as Benny was incoming last year, that it comes with expectations. And when those expectations are not met immediately, and that's the world of college sports these days, like either you're great or you stink on day one, and that's what we got. then it continues to go that way in ways that, you know, those questions do not get asked for players of a lesser recruiting ilk. Like if almost anybody else on the Orange roster, I mean, setting aside like the starters, but if like Justin Taylor hadn't been at the game yesterday, you're like, oh, that's odd. What's what's up with him? But when it's Benny, because of having just lost his starting job, because of his up and down moments on the court and inconsistency, because of the expectations that were put on him. The players that he was mentioned in the same sentence as coming into school last year. The natural athletic ability you can see when it's on the court, the high moments he's had on the court, because of those things are, are why this is the question that, that comes after the game. That does step in front of other questions about the game. There's always time to ask more questions about you know the game. Why, why did why'd you run this play? Why... What worked on offense? What didn't work? What what's this? What's that? Yeah, but that was the question. You know, first first off the top of my mind, and I would imagine this for most people in that press conference room last night. It's the first question there. I I would imagine you as Syracuse fans, if you're at the game, watching the game on TV, texting your buddies, doing doing whatever. Like I I know I had more than zero back and forth text conversations with multiple people about that yesterday. Hey, you know what's going on? What's going on with this? No, I don't know what's going on. Do you know what's going on? Have you heard something over there? Have you heard something over here? No. And that's just what it is. And you'd wish it would be different with Benny. And it's not just a Benny thing. Like, you don't wish this on anybody. You don't wish the circumstance on anybody. You wish somebody with with Benny's, you know, evident athleticism and talent would show up and produce in that way and, you know, join the lines of the greats here. And that's just not what's happened. It's not what's happened. It's not destined to happen for everybody. And, you know, you can see it when you're at the game. You can see the frustration evident with Benny. At time. Like when he ripped his jersey in half a few weeks ago. Like there's these moments in time here. There's just a list of things. So when he doesn't show up, your thoughts go in a different way than if somebody else hadn't been there. If basically anybody else hadn't been there. I think if literally anybody else on the Orange roster 
hadn't been at the game last night. Then him, your thoughts don't go where your thoughts go when Benny wasn't there. With him, it's, did he quit the team? And I defy anyone to have had a different thought at the time. At the time, right, wrong, or otherwise, I defy you to have had an initial thought that was different. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, but I defy if that was your initial reaction last night. And we'll see. You know, Hopefully everything's fine. Hopefully it's just a bad day or whatever. He had something going on in, in life. Like we, we saw Virginia Tech over the weekend, and I don't know what's going on. He's like Darius Maddox is one of their starters, and he wasn't at the game against Syracuse on Saturday. He had, you know, they said he had a personal reasons. So he had to, he had to be away from the game, and they weren't quite sure when he'd be back. They hope he'd be back for the next game. They're not sure, and they'll, you know, it's like okay, well, all right. And we knew about that before tip, and everyone moves on. Just didn't know yesterday. It's just like where's number? Where is he? Where's thirteen? Where where's that guy? I don't know. But uh, that was the initial thought. It had nothing to do with the game. And we'll, we'll get into the game. We'll do that. We'll hear more from Jim Beheim when we uh, come back. Uh, on the game, we'll get into the game. We'll break it down. Because, man, I say set that aside. Like, once the game started, what a heck of a game it was. You got the top 10 Virginia Cavaliers in town. You're down early. You rally back. It's back and forth. Momentum swings, big plays late. Unfortunately, more by the Cavaliers. Like the actual basketball game, man, it was a really fun basketball game uh, last night. As unfortunately, you had in the Carolina game and the Miami game, three of the last five, all really fun basketball games to watch. And unfortunately for Syracuse, they are three really fun losses, which makes it, I'd imagine, a lot less fun if you are uh, on the Syracuse basketball uh, staff. Or roster. So with that, we will hit a break. We'll hear some of uh, Coach Beheim when we come back. We will get into the actual basketball game, I promise. Your phone calls as well at 315-437-7644. Hope to be joined by Red Autry at 3. Harry Douglas of ESPN talking NFL. Getting to a little Super Bowl chat at uh, 345. That is the plan for the program today. And a little breakdown of the Orange football schedule. It is out. We got dates. We know the opponents. Now we know the order and all that. So we'll... Suss that out. We'll look at the order and see if we can figure out what it means here on the final day of January for what things will mean in early September when Orange Football 2023 does kick off. With that, we're off and running here on a Tuesday. Much more to come after this on QSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio. All across central New York, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Everybody's got a problem. Alright, roll along here on this Tuesday in the Qs. It's not a game day. Tuesday is normally a game day. It's not a game day next week either. It's a Monday game this week, a Wednesday game next week. What are they what are they doing to my internal calendar? How are we supposed to deal with this? Well, today is the day after a game. Phone lines open if you want to talk about the game or Benny. Whatever you might want to talk about. 315-437-7644 ESPN. 44 be the number, as it always is, and that is available to you throughout uh, the next couple of hours here and certainly throughout uh, On the Block with uh, Brent following our time together. But uh, right now, uh, let's get a little more from uh, Jim on the actual basketball game last night. It's time to spin the wheel. Let's spin the wheel of Bayheim. All right, what do we... um? What do we want to hear about from last night? What do we want to hear about? How about just the idea of having to beat Virginia in the first place? 
Listen, Virginia's really good, okay? Since I've been in the league, they have the most wins in the league, by far. All right? We're about sixth or seventh in wins in the league. So, yeah, they beat us just like they beat everybody else. In fact, we beat them two times that we shouldn't have beat them. <laughs> All right, but uh, I don't want to say Syracuse should have won the game last night. That's probably too strong, the, the way the game went. Kind of like Carolina. Like, should they have won the Carolina game? I don't know. But they very easily could have won the game. I think they should have won the Miami game. And then it, that's tight late. But, you know, it's all three, and they all kind of went down uh, the same way. And ends up with, in my mind, what was the defining play of the game. So, you know, it's back and forth. And there's some missed free throws by Judah, and they hit some threes, and yada, yada, yada. But Virginia's up four, Syracuse scores. So it's 64-62 with about a little less than two minutes left. Then the yards go down, and they get a stop. They get the stop, and then they set up the play to Jesse. And, and here's what Coach Beheim uh, liked about how Jesse operated during the game. Well, we just went to him and have him pass out of it. Chris got one. Justin got one. We had four other ones, maybe four other open threes. Um, it's really... It helps our offense against Virginia because if they play, play straight up against them, we have trouble scoring their defense. Their defense. He got all the first baskets we got by them doubling him. Got I think Malik got a couple. Justin got one, and then we had wide open looks. I I, I like that. The double helps us against them. Their defense is so solid that. When they play us straight up like they did, we didn't get Jesse the ball. We didn't score. And that's where you wish that last play. It wasn't the last play. There was a minute left. But, you know, ipso facto was uh, it was the play in many ways that decided how the end of the game would go Oh, regardless. But Jesse got it, and he got it. How far was he away from the hoop when he had that ball? 12 feet, 15 feet? He was further away than he was likely to score from. Let's put it that way. I was not against the idea of getting him the ball in that play had he been closer to the basket. And then the double team came, and he had been very effective, as Jim said, of unlike the first meeting between the two, when the double team seemed to take him out of his element. This game he was prepared and was distributing. He had a few assists, could have had more if some other shots fell. But this time, instead of passing out, he decided to attack it in a way that did not work and obviously led to the charge and the whole thing. And that's where I guess it's disappointing. Like they were prepared this time for that to occur. And for the first 59 minutes took advantage of it reasonably well, unfortunately on what turned out to be the most important play of the game. And it went the other way. It went the other way. And that's one uh, you look back on and say, Oh man, it's kind of like uh, the Judah charge against Carolina last week where like, the idea of Judah having the ball at that point of the game. Yeah, let's go. Open court. Your best open court guy. Well, this makes sense. But execution didn't live up to it. Again, in this case, the execution uh, didn't live up to it. And then what we see now for back-to-back games, when your leading scorer struggles, it is very hard to win games. Gerard. 
six games this year where he has not reached double figures. Uh, the orange in those games are one in five. And that is not a coincidence. People have been guarding him all year, Mike. Every All year. Good defenders have been guarding him all year. Kid at Georgia Tech's a really good defender. You know, he had shots. I mean, he, he got looks. He got some pretty good looks. And they didn't go down last night. 3 of 12 was Gerard. One of four from three, and oddly few uh, three point attempts. And uh, what's interesting here is I say with Virginia, like, you always know what you're going to get from them. And this year's Virginia team, if whatever this means, this feels like the most Virginia E Virginia team in a while. Like, you look back to the national title team, and, you know, had some NBA guys there. You know, they had Guy and Jerome, they had guys that could light it up. Like they every now and again they'd put some they drop some points on you. Like this year's Virginia team, they're playing the same exact game every game. Like the final score of like every Virginia game is going to be sixty something to sixty something, pretty much. And Virginia's like great, got you where you want, where we want you. We're gonna have the sixty something that is a higher second number than you, and we're gonna chalk up another win. Seven straight now for the Cavs. But Joe, he had 19 in the first meeting. I'm like, all right, 19 in the first meeting. Virginia, they do the same thing every game. And they do it well, mind you, but they do the same thing every game. There's no reason that Joe can't come out and do the same thing again. But he couldn't. So we'll see if uh, he can get it going again against Boston College on Saturday. Joe has uh, historically played exceedingly well against Boston College. So we'll see how that goes at Conti Forum on Saturday, which is the next time up. Orange off from practice uh, today, back at it tomorrow, and then uh, a chance to get into it uh, later this week. But, uh, you know, we'll see how Syracuse rebounds off these losses. And, and it's twofold now, is it not? Like, is Syracuse going to make the tournament? Should we even be talking about that right now? Probably not. The schedule remaining, like, Syracuse has eight games left. They might have to win them all to have any, like, thought of a chance of getting an at-large bid. But you still, I mean, for the sake of it, you still want to win some games here and some big games. We talked about it yesterday. Chances are dwindling to win noteworthy games, big games. Virginia was going to be the highest-ranked team you're going to play for the remaining of the season. You still have a road game at Clemson. Now, Beating Clemson does not ring the bell nationally, but Clemson is leading the ACC this year. Duke is not ranked to the level that Duke often is, but it is a Duke Saturday home game, big crowd, whole thing, like beating Duke in that game. If you do that, that would ring the bell in a certain way. Pitt, I get it. There's not a lot of national cachet to Pitt right now, but Pitt's pretty good. Yards found that out in the Dome back in December, and you got a return date to the Pete. Coming up in a few weeks. So that would be like a noteworthy win in some way. But you're running out of opportunities. Like last night, Virginia, Big Monday, playing really well. Atmosphere in the Dome was good. Like that would have been a big win. And I, I don't think there's another chance on the schedule that can match up to what a win last night would have meant. That's unfortunate. Because this team is, in many ways, they're playing well. But, and again, but, the results are not showing that. When Miami, Carolina, and Virginia were all there for the taking and none of them get taken, 
fun games. Enjoyed watching them. Fun basketball. Different styles up and down a little bit. You know, a little half court. Like there was a lot of chess stuff. You know, it was good stuff. Plays being made or not. Like they were they were fun games to to watch, enjoyable games to sit down and take in. And it stinks you got none of them. And there's nothing you can do about it now. And, you know, we can turn our attention to the ACC tournament and all that another day. But nothing you can do about it now. Well, that will uh, take a break. More into the game last night. We'd love to hear from you out there at 315-437-7644. ESPN 44 is the number. Harry Douglas to end the show today from ESPN's newest program, Fitz and Harry. He's the Harry. Fitz is Jason Fitz. That's one of their new shows, a new new lineup on the network. So we'll be joined by Harry coming up to end the show today. With that, we'll step aside. Much more to come after this on QSportsDog.com and ESPN Radio. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. All right, rolling along here on this uh, Tuesday on the show. We've been talking hoops pretty much the whole way, with good reason. It was, we'll say this for the game last night, it stunk that it was a loss. That was a heck of a game. That was a fun game to watch. The ending was less than fun, but that was a fun college basketball game to watch, of which the Orange have played in many of late. It'd be more fun if they'd win them. But that was a fun game to watch last night. You know what's not fun, though? They dropped the football schedule during the middle of the basketball game. Who's got time? I can't think about two things at once, people. Give me time to think about the football schedule. We're going to take some time to think about the football schedule right now. Here it is. Let me read it to you in order. The season opens on Saturday, September the 2nd against Colgate. A week later, Western Michigan, the 16th, a week after that, a visit to Purdue and their very large drum and their new coach and quarterback. The week after that, Army in the Dome. That, I think, is going to be a sneaky big crowd game with Army. The week after that, homecoming for Clemson. So your two big crowd games are all the same game. Then at Carolina, at FSU, open date. Thursday night in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech. Friday night at home for Boston College. Pitt and Yankee Stadium at Georgia Tech, home for Wake Forest. Thoughts? Obviously, it opens easily. I, I do like... You know, as much as it's fun to have, like, this past year, like, Louisville was the opener. Like, ah, oh, that's got a fun little ACC game week one. The problem with having the fun week one is when you get stuck with Wagner week five. Like, the FCS game, in any week that's not week one, not fun. So it's a weird balance. Like, I kind of like hopping right in. But then you get stuck with it later. So if you're going to have one, I like it to be week one. So he ease in with Colgate. Western Michigan, new head coach. Getting rid of Tim Lester. How dare they get rid of Tim Lester? An alum with wins. But uh, Western, a new head coach. I mean, you have to start 2-0. You're at Purdue. Uh, we don't know what Purdue's going to be. We, we don't know. New head coach, new quarterback, new knew a lot of stuff. Obviously, the Orange beat him in the Dome uh, last year. But that's a road trip to Big Ten country. Here's a Here's a nugget for you. The Orange are playing in two stadiums this year in which they have played in them before and Syracuse has not scored in either stadium. The Orange are going to Purdue and the Orange are going to Georgia Tech. And the Orange have not scored in either stadium before. And they have played in both. So that's disconcerting. Though you feel a little bit better uh, this time going to Purdue in week three with Garrett Schrader than going there in the opener in 4 
and starting true freshman Joe Fields, the quarterback. You just feel a little bit uh, better about that. So that's a, a winnable game, but, you know, road game in the Big Ten, by its nature, is not an easy win. Army at home the week after that. Like, you should beat Army, but you never know. Triple option, the whole thing. It's not easy. I think that's going to be a sneaky big crowd game. There's like a legit possibility that that could be the second largest crowd of the year. When you look at how the schedule lays out. You know, Fort Drum, I'm sure there'll be all sorts of military stuff. First time Army's been in the Dome in a very long time. I think there's a legitimate chance that could be a sneaky large crowd. That'll be fun. That's the first of a, a four-year home-and-home. Home. Orange go to Mikey Stadium next year. That that will be neat. Picturesque. Foliage. The Hudson. All of it. Cliffs. But then Clemson, and my goodness, you cannot have a harder... Th- without examining everybody's ACC schedule, and I do not need to look at any other ACC schedule to know this, you cannot have a harder three-game stretch than what Syracuse has. It can't exist, at least preseason. You never know how the season will develop. You cannot have a harder stretch preseason than this. Clemson at home, end of September, at North Carolina, at Florida State. Might be the three best teams in the league. It's your conference championship game from last year, Clemson and UNC. And at FSU, who probably is going to be the preseason pick to win the league this year. That is a gauntlet. And unfortunately, in recent years, that is the type of gauntlet that is hurt later in the season because that's the type of gauntlet where Syracuse has come out of it injured. You do have your bye week after FSU to rest up. It's not quite a full bye week because you're going bye week into Thursday night in Blacksburg. Oh, boy. Now, Virginia Tech not good right now. Thursday night in Blacksburg is not the uh, most uh, winnable joint uh, of all time that you could uh, land in. So that's tricky. And then here's some other stuff that I don't really like. I Can we just put the BC game on Thanksgiving weekend already every year? Like we say, is it a rivalry or not, or this or that? Well, it's becoming a little something on the field. The teams, there's been some dislike. Let's put it there. How do you make it a rivalry? Put it there every freaking year. It can't be there most years. It's got to be there every year. And also, you know, the Friday night games are fun. I like them. But because of that on Friday night and the pit game the week after that at Yankee Stadium, the Orange are going to go two months, two months between Saturday home games. From Clemson on the 30th of September to Wake Forest on the 25th of November. Two months without a Saturday home game. That's going to be tough. Like, interest can wane at that point. It's hard to bring it back and get people into the stadium. So while the history of the idea of the Yankee Stadium thing is neat, the way the schedule has set up, it, it has left such a gap in dome games and Saturday dome games. That could be tough. So, like, is it the hardest schedule ever? No. But the ordering of the schedule, is it's making it, in the order the games are going to be played in and location the games are going to be played in. Mm. Mm. Going to be a little tricky, I think, for Dino next year to navigate uh, some of that. But we'll certainly talk much, much more about that as we get much, much closer to it because we're currently a very long, long way away. With that, we'll take a break on this hour brought to you by William Matar. Call William Matar if you're hurt in a car at 444-4444. Break now. Expect to be joined by Harry Douglas of ESPN when we come back after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. 